The views and opinions reflected in any of the stories narrated are solely those of the story contributor and are not necessarily that of the Nightmare Society. This podcast features adult content, so listener discretion is highly advised. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, help is available. Please see the resources in the show notes. society. This story is real. It happened to me when I was a kid. Just remembering this, my eyes get full of tears and I have goosebumps. Between the ages of five and eight years old, I used to suffer from night terrors. I thought that's what it was because my parents tend to argue, screaming at each other a lot. I slept in my room. It's a really small room with only space for a bed, a little desk, and a small closet. The room has a rectangle shape and there's one item in every corner. In one of those corners is the door. I can remember very clear how every night when I was in my bed trying to sleep, Some kind of whispering in my ear was increasing its tone until it became a scream. Instead of waking me up, this scream started my nightmare. The nightmare always starts the same way. I'm alone in a huge black field with a black sky and no lights, with nothing around me but a small house made of stone bricks with a little window. I always walk inside the house from the front door and get out from the back door. Walking out the back door, I saw the skyline of tall buildings that looked totally destroyed. After that, a huge fireball comes to me with the same whispering. As the fireball gets closer, the whisper becomes a scream again. This time, the scream wakes me up and in front of me inside my room, in real life, there is a woman in the same corner where the closet is looking right at me. This woman seems to be totally wet, like she just got out of a storm. Her long black hair is covering her face and she wears a long green coat. Neither of my parents are able to see her when they come in after hearing me scream in terror, but the woman keeps standing there looking at me while my mom is hugging me. This nightmare has repeated so many days during those years but what gives me goosebumps is how they stopped. It was a sunny day of summer. During the morning, I was going with my mom to the supermarket to get some stuff. The supermarket is inside the city, a European city. My mom stopped by to chat with a friend on the street. I was looking around and just at the other side of the street, separated by one road, I was able to see that woman again. I don't remember why, but I let go of my mother's hand, trying to go to that woman. 
When I was crossing the road, a car hit me, and I just remember waking up in the hospital with the doctor checking my legs. I ended up being okay. I wasn't hit that hard. After this incident, I never had night terrors or saw that woman again. son was two years old, he started acting as if he was interacting with something or someone that his father and I could never see. Like throwing toys down the hallway and then running away murmuring words. When I asked what he was doing, he always told me that he was giving toys to the boy for him to play with. There was never anybody there, but it was always icy cold down that hallway and leading into the garage. I'd ask him what the boy's name was and he would tell me, Don was his name. I asked what the boy was doing. He said waiting for his mom to pick him up. That's what he would always reply with. We put it down to an imaginary friend and nothing more. Harmless, we thought, until he started waking up in the middle of the night screaming, saying, Don won't let me sleep. He keeps tickling my toes. This sent chills down my spine and so my son would sleep in my bed with me every night. This continued for another six months until the property management company notified us that the owner of the house had died and his children would be selling the property and splitting the profit between them, meaning we had to move out. After we left, I came across a local news article about the owner of our old rental, stating how much he will be missed by the community. He had been raised by his mother in the house we were renting since he was a child. Then I noticed his name and everything came flooding back to me. His name was Don. My son's imaginary friend was our homeowner. He must have been waiting for his mother to come and take him to the other side. I'll never look at imaginary friends the same. The summer of 2008 was a rough time to graduate from college. I had just spent four years getting a degree only to find that the job market had all but dried up. As bummed out as I was about being unemployed for the foreseeable future, I found a deep appreciation for backcountry camping and hiking that summer. Growing up in the Rocky Mountains and graduating from a college in western Montana, I was not a stranger to hiking or camping. But that summer it became an escape to the point of an obsession. Going on daily hikes and camping beneath the stars really helped my mental health while I worried about my life's purpose and my future. It was June and unseasonably cold, wet, and cloudy. The daytime highs barely touched 50 degrees and at night it dropped below freezing. Despite the weather I had planned to hike around the Anaconda Range that week and I wasn't going to let that deter me. My plan for the week, funny enough, was to hike from Storm Lake over Storm Lake Pass and down to Upper Seymour Lake. Storm Lake, actually an alpine reservoir, 
is a challenge to get to and requires a 4x4 pickup and some skilled driving. The road is a narrow two-track winding its way through the thick pine forests. The way was slick with rain, but I made it to the top with little heartburn. I set up camp on the north shore of the lake and decided to do some fishing. The fishing was miserable. It was cold and nothing was biting. But the best thing about bad fishing is that my thoughts were free to wander while I sat on the shore. The rain was a constant light drizzle and created a natural white noise. Time passed and my daydreams were cut short as a low rumble from above the canyon overtook the sounds of the rain. The rumbling was not unlike a distant diesel engine. There are no roads that go beyond where I camped. No machinery or vehicles would be up that canyon. I thought maybe a plane, looking up into the rain clouds, but the sound wasn't getting closer or further away, and the sound wasn't above me. It came from beyond the lake and up into the canyon. The sound was stationary and constant. This was most certainly not a plane or a truck or a bulldozer. All of this wasn't outright scary, but nonetheless my hair stood on end while I sat there listening. After 20 minutes, the rumbling faded away and I was left again with only the sound of raindrops. Soon enough, I caught a decent sized trout, cleaned it, and headed back to camp to get ready for dinner. The fish cooked up fine, but to be honest, I hate trout. It's edible, sure, but totally unappetizing. They taste like mud. I ate as much as I could stand and tossed the rest into the lake. I built my fire back up for the night and sat around to enjoy the evening with a bit of whiskey. Night came fast. The mountain ridges put the sun to bed early and the rain clouds obscured the starlight. It was dark, really dark. The sounds of a crackling warm fire and the rain bouncing off my tent were a great comfort and starting to lull me to sleep. I reminded myself I needed to build up the fire before bed. I walked over to my pile of scavenged firewood and grabbed an armful. Being away from the fire's crackling could pick up that all too familiar rumbling rising in the background. It was growing louder than before, and closer. I may have had too many pulls of whiskey and was tired and grouchy. This noise was ruining my camping trip, and my buzz. Frustrated, I yelled into the blackness of the night. Hey! Shut the hell up, asshole. Like a switch being flipped, the rumbling stopped, and so did the rain. My heart skipped a beat. I realized that was not a convenient coincidence. There was an intelligence out there, something sentient, observing me and responding to my screams, and I wasn't getting the most positive vibes from it. I threw all the logs on the fire and retreated back to my tent. More on the edge than ever, I just sat there, listening. Listening to the fire crackling. Listening to my rapid breathing. And beyond that, to the silence of the darkness. Before this moment, I had felt alone but safe. Now I felt alone and vulnerable. Beyond where the firelight faded, I felt there was a million eyes in that dark watching me. My paranoia began to subside when the rain suddenly started again. Not a drizzle, but a massive downpour. 
I was glad I had built up the fire or it would have been snuffed out for sure. My tent was being pushed down by the force of the storm. I thought about bailing to the truck, but I knew I'd be soaked to the bone instantly. Risking injury or death getting wet is the kind of logic only whiskey can produce. I could feel the rainwater pooling and moving under my tent. This storm wasn't letting up. The urge to get in the pickup truck and drive away was ever more tantalizing. I could get my stuff tomorrow in the daylight and spend a few nights in town, but I'd had a bit too much to drink. Driving, especially on that slick, muddy two-track road, would have been a death sentence, but I still needed a safer place to sleep than a wimpy tent. Grabbing what I could, I ripped open the tent flaps and ran for the truck. I was soaking wet by the time I settled into the driver's seat and locked the doors. Turning the heat on full blast, I hoped that would dry me out. It was going to be a miserable night, though. I reclined my chair and tried to calm my thoughts with deep breaths. The rain wasn't letting up. I was warm from the heater, and I was riding the crest of a good whiskey buzz. The fire was still raging despite the rain and kept the campsite well lit. I remember the truck's clock reading 1.06 a.m. I blinked. It was only for a moment, but when I opened my eyes, the rain had stopped. It was foggy and quiet. The once raging campfire was just embers, and there was morning twilight to the east. The truck's clock now read 5.45 a.m. It was morning. There's no way that could be right. Almost five hours gone in the blink of an eye. I must have passed out. My head was killing me and it didn't feel like I drank that much to justify that kind of a hangover. I turned off the truck and stepped up to survey the night's damage. My tent was completely flattened. The tent poles were shattered to pieces. Everything was soaking wet. Smothering the remains of the fire, I dragged all my junk to the pickup and tossed it into the bed. My hike over the pass wasn't happening that day, that was for sure. It was around 6.30 a.m. before I finished picking up camp. As I climbed into the cab of my truck, I heard the rumbling again through the morning fog. I drove out of there as fast as I could down that muddy bobsled track of a road, not once looking into the rear view. And I've never been back to Storm Lake, and probably never will. I've experienced many odd and unexplainable events in my life, but this event has been on my mind for a few years now, and I finally decided to tell it, and pray I'm not the only one who's experienced something like this. So, let's start from the beginning. I graduated high school in 2019 and was promoted to supervisor for a kitchen in a nursing home down the street. Since I oversaw dinner, I didn't start work until about 3.30 p.m., and would get home around 10 p.m. So for the first half of the day, I would be completely home alone. I enjoyed that time. Solitude was always nice, especially when you're as introverted as I am. Normally, I would sleep in till about noon, but this time I decided to relax on the couch in our main living room and watch Kitchen Nightmares. I remembered nodding off and falling into a light sleep, so any small noise would wake me up. The first few times I cracked my eyes open, it would just be from the cats jumping on me. 
So when I felt the cushion by my feet dip a bit, I figured it was my cat, Peach. After a moment, I opened my eyes and realized my younger sister was sitting at the end of the couch, her back to me. I was half asleep, so I really didn't think much of it. I figured she just stayed home from school sick. So I asked her if she would move her head so I could see the TV, but she ignored me. Still facing the TV screen, annoyed, I asked her why she was home. Once again, she remained silent, coming to the conclusion that she was just being rude. Again, I closed my eyes and fell back asleep. After about another hour, I got up and started to get ready for work and noticed my sister wasn't in the room or in the house at all. Concerned, I called her. After trying to call her a few times and getting nothing, I called my mom. She picked up and asked her if sister told her where she was going. My mother, confused, asked me what I was talking about. She dropped sis off at school before going to work. My sister had been at school this whole time. In shock, I hung up and kept this to myself, convinced I was losing my mind. Then it was all in my head. But I remember that moment so vividly. What my sister was wearing, how she was sitting, how I felt a shift in the couch when she sat down. This wasn't a dream. This was real. It had to be. There was something in my house with me that morning and it was not my sister. I kept this experience to myself. As a kid, I had what my parents called a very active imagination. Always seeing things, hearing things, and being easily spooked. So I think it got to the point where I just convinced myself this whole experience didn't happen and that there was some rational explanation. It actually took me a few years to tell my little sister about it. Once again, mostly out of fear of being perceived as crazy, and I didn't want to spook her either. But something she said to me changed that real fast. This takes place in September of 2022. My sister and I were waiting in line for a ride at a local amusement park. Every year, my dad's workplace would rent the whole park for employees and their families. We spent most of the day together as a family, but about an hour before closing, Sis and I went to the back of the park to ride some night rides, so it was just the two of us. Sis and I are not very close and don't have much in common, so we struggled to have a conversation, and for the most part stood in silence, but out of the blue she spoke up. She asked me if I wanted to hear something freaky. As a lover of all things spooky, that caught my attention, so I immediately replied with an eager yes. And a part of me wishes I hadn't. My sister's a night owl and over the summer would stay up until 6am. I had just started working a different job after quitting my nursing home position. That's another scary story for a different day. So I was starting to go to bed at 12am every night and would be up around 10am. So she would be the only one awake. One night she noticed light coming from the crack in her bedroom door and she heard both my voice and our mother's voices talking only it was hard to understand, as if we were either speaking too quickly or just complete gibberish. She quickly grabbed her phone checking the time and her confusion only grew when she noted it was 3am. What were we doing awake? Sometimes my mom and I would go to the front window if the weather was bad during the night to keep an eye on the storm, or if there were sirens. We both have a habit of being very nosy, so she figured that's what it was. After a few minutes, she could still hear the voices and still see the lights, growing curious. 
She got out of bed and opened her bedroom door and rushed into the hall expecting to see me and my mother by the window talking. Only that's not what she saw. There were no lights on, it was completely dark besides the illumination from her phone screen, and there was no one in sight. Not our mother, not me, not even the cats were out there. Unsettled and confused, she turned to my bedroom door thinking I was messing with her. She opened my door and I was asleep with both cats. She goes back into the hallway. Mom and Dad's bedroom door is also shut. She peeks in there and both are sleeping. Now my sister is a rational person. She is always the one to go to the basement first, tell the others that monsters and ghosts aren't real, etc. So she completely pushed this event out of her mind because in her eyes it wasn't a big deal. Maybe she was just overtired, or our grandfather's TV downstairs was a bit loud and that's what she heard. But like my own experience, this kind of sat at the back of her head, and the house grew to be a little less comfortable. She mentioned how after that she felt like there was always someone watching, as if they were tucked in a corner just observing her. She wasn't scared out of her mind, just a bit confused. When she told me that, a pit in my stomach opened up and I had chills. I laughed at first because, come on, we're in public and I didn't want to flip out. So we went on the ride and for the remaining time the park was open, we pushed that conversation on the back burner. On our way to meet up with our parents, we started talking about it again, and I finally told her about what happened to me, how I saw her at home that day, spoke to her, and could remember what she wore. That was the first time I saw her get scared. She replied that she wasn't home. I asked her what she thought it was, and neither of us know. We still don't know. We don't know if we want to know. The only thing we're sure of is there is something in our house. As always, thank you so much for listening and until next time. So